Father, we just come to you and thank you that you're Almighty God and that uh, you put this uh, just great chapter in the Bible for us to read tonight. I just pray that we be able to truly understand and uh, glorify you. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in uh, Genesis 24. A bride for Isaac. And Genesis 24, I think, is the longest chapter in Genesis. We may not get out of here for a couple of hours tonight. So, first I want to kind of do a quick review because it, it would do us well when we understand the whole thing in context. Isaac and Christ, they both had a miracle birth, born at a predetermined time by God. Uh, they were both the only son, both carried wood up a mountain, Christ carried the cross. Uh, same geographical location, both questioned the Father, hey, is this what we're going to do here? Uh, but both were obedient to the Father. Uh, the resurrection was prophesied in both cases, and the resurrection was on the third day, and we can see Isaac, it was figuratively in Christ, uh, literally. So there's three things in life, really. Uh, there, there's more, but there's definitely three major events uh, that people will tend to remember. Most of us don't remember birth. But I, I think all of us uh, remember uh, our wedding day. Uh, I know from uh, participating in my own, plus uh, three of my daughters, uh, it's a big day. It's a huge day. Uh, and then, of course, the last one is death and uh, we all participate in that but uh, there's just nothing quite like when you're getting married I know the anticipation I can remember waiting for you know, Jane to come walking forward I think we all remember those moments and of course my daughters were much more involved I mean had a change of clothes about every eight and a half minutes I think or something like that but uh, yeah it was, it was quite a unique experience but, and so, uh, in the Bible, they use this idea of the bride of Christ uh, to uh, represent the church. And uh, it's kind of a unique thing because it's, it's an important moment and it's a, an event that, that when we're getting married, we all look forward to afterwards, maybe not. But, uh, but, so we have the bride of Christ. And so there's a couple of verses in the New Testament that I up there, Second uh, Corinthians 11.2, and so Paul's writing to the people at Corinth, and he's saying, uh, you know, let me explain, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, and so he's alluding to the church being the bride of Christ. The actual term bride of Christ isn't in the Bible. It's kind of like rapture. It's not in there either. But so that, that there's another uh, mention of it um, in Revelation 19.7. It says, let us be glad. Uh, this scene is in heaven, of course. And it says, let us be uh, glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come 
and his wife has made herself ready. And there are other um, there are other uh, references to, to you know alluding to the bride of Christ. But I just wanted to bring up a couple of them because we have a very long chapter to go through tonight. And then uh, so chapter twenty four is the bride for Isaac. And uh, with that, I'm going to do it a little different tonight. Normally, I read through the whole chapter, whatever it is we're going to do. We have quite a bit to get through tonight, so I'm not go- I'm not going to do that. I'm just kind of I'm just going to go through and read it because, to be honest with you, the vast majority of it reads like a novel, and so why would I want to mess that up? And so, at different points, I'll stop and talk about uh, a few things. But in general, we're just going to kind of read through this and kind of talk about it at the end. So, and starting in uh, Genesis 24, verse one, it says. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant in his house who rode over all that he had. So I just want to stop here. If you remember back in chapter 15, he had a servant uh, named Eliezer. And and, uh, what happened was uh, Abraham was like starting to question God and said, hey, you know, when am I going to have this kid here? Because the way I have it set up right now, this guy Eliezer, he's going to be the heir in my house. And uh, so there's a very, very good chance that this servant is Eliezer. And I don't know if we talked about it in 15 or not, but Eliezer's name actually means uh, God is help. I mean, that's what his name actually means. And so... In the New Testament, Holy Spirit, Spirit is referred to as an advocate or, or a helper, depending on what translation you're looking at. So it's kind of interesting that nearly 2,000 years before Christ, we have Abraham depicted as the father. Um, we have Isaac as the son and Eliezer as the Holy Spirit. Okay, So you have this little setup that's going to happen here in the rest of the chapter. So I kind of want to set the scene for that. And so um, so he says to Eliezer, uh, please put your hand under my thigh. And, and this was, uh, it was similar to like what we would put our hand on the Bible and swear an oath. Uh, the difference between this is it was, uh, in, 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 back in the day, it was a sign that if it wasn't carried out and then, uh, the offspring of the guy that you had your hand under his thigh, his kids would come and kill you. <laughs> so it was a little bit more serious. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it was a serious oath. So verse 3, it says, And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family, and take a wife for my son Isaac. Uh, the uh, Canaanites, they worship false gods, Baal and Asherah. And so Abraham didn't want his son get mixed up in the false religions. Very similar to in New Testament times, it tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, and that would be in marriage or basically anything else. But it's the same idea. So in verse 5, 
And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, uh, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, of, the Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then uh, you will be released from the oath. Only do not take my son back there. So it's kind of interesting. Remember we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago that that last encounter that Abraham had with Abimelech, it was kind of like a turning point in his life. And, uh, and so uh, he sort of changed his whole attitude towards life and kind of living his life for God altogether. And so here you see him at the end of his life, and he's telling his servant, hey, look, don't take my son back there because God promised that he was going to give me this land to me and my descendants. So he's like, he's like down the line by the book. Under no circumstances do you take Isaac out of the land. So in verse 9 it says, So the servant put his hand underneath, under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. The servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. So, just for the record, if you had a camel, you were kind of like well off. And so it sounds like he had more than ten camels, and this guy just took ten. So Abraham was like doing well. And and then it goes on, it says, For his master's goods were in his hand. What that really means is that that guy was the steward. Eliezer was the steward for uh, Abraham. And you know, it's like in a New Testament context, the steward is the guy that would be in charge of everything for the household. And in reality, it's the word that we get, our word, dispenser. Okay? And so if you can imagine, if, say, if uh, maybe you lived out in Lajala or something like that and had a big house out there, and maybe you got a, a you know, guy that's in charge of your household, and you'd have like a like a little mini warehouse in there where you'd have all different sorts of things that would be locked up. And you had to go to the steward of the house. And the steward would be, you know, in control of everything. And so he would open it up. He would hand out the stuff. He would give out whatever it is. But he had total control of everything that he, of the master that he worked for. So that's what this guy here, Eliezer, does. So he basically said, okay, give me ten camels. You can see he took a lot more other stuff. And he took other servants with him, too. So it's a pretty big party that he's going. And he's really going to go about 500 miles, right? It's, so it's not no small trip. So and he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at the evening time, the time that the women go out to draw water. So this is kind of interesting because, you know, they there's a, in our modern culture, there's a thing, you know, that, women should do whatever men should do. And they totally believed this back in this time here because uh, the women, it was their job to take care of the, of the cattle, of the, you know, the herds. And so uh, it was that time of night when all the women would come out to the well and they'd grab well and they would 
they would, I mean, grab water and they'd go and take and, uh, and water the animals. So uh, then he said, O Lord God of my master, Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master, Abraham. And you can see here, as, as, as the story progresses, Eliezer, this helper, he he's always putting his master first, okay? And he doesn't ever really draw any attention to himself, similar to what the role of the Holy Spirit is in the New Testament. Uh, In verse 13 it said, Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman who I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, Drink, and I will also give your camels a drink, let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Okay. He's got ten camels with him. So this is not like a casual thing. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, give me a drink of water. But he's not going to ask her. She's going to volunteer to haul water for ten camels. Now, I've heard it that depending on how many humps they got, they can carry a whole lot of water inside of them out of the desert. So what he's asking for is a big deal, okay? So just so we know that. In verse 15, And it happened uh, before he had finished speaking that, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Melchah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went up to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also. Wow. (laughs) Until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew all his camels. So she she went a few times, I think. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous, prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough, uh, feed and feed enough, and room to lodge. So things are kind of falling right in place for this guy's servant, right? So if you remember, uh, last week we looked at this. No, it's week before, I think. Whoops. Whoops. Oh, yeah. So anyway, if you look up here, here's uh, Nahor, Bethuel, and there's Rebecca. 
keep your guy, your, your, remember this guy Laban, because he's going to show up uh, later on. So these uh, genealogies are, um, uh, they're pretty amazing. Uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, but they started making these genealogies all throughout the Old Testament. And the reason being is they, they wanted to be able to trace the line to Christ. And we know that's true because uh, if you look in, uh, is it, I think it's uh, Matthew and Luke, there's genealogies in there. Some of them go back to Adam. The other ones uh, go back, I think, to uh, David. But uh, the whole idea of these genealogies, which is pretty amazing, is you can trace uh, all these people but once Jesus was crucified, the Jews stopped keeping genealogy. They don't do that anymore. And they haven't done it since then. So, then the, young, then the man bowed, bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way... The Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman uh, ran and told her mother's household of these things. Now, if you can imagine this thing that just happened here, right? Uh, uh, Rebecca's watching this guy, and uh, she's it's a normal day for her. She's carrying her water pot out. She's ready to you know, water the animals and stuff, and uh, she gets approached by this guy that's got, you know, uh, ten camels and servants, and he, you know, gives her gold jewelry, and and then he gets on his knees and starts thanking God for leading him to Rebecca's family. So she's like, whoa. So she turns around, she's running into the house going to tell everybody, right? So it's it's definitely a, 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 a good day for Rebecca. So now Rebecca had a, a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man at the well. So it came to pass, when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, when he heard the words of his sister saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man. So you know, Rebecca's telling Laban, you know, everything had just happened. So Laban is out to greet the servant, you know, like in a heartbeat, right? Because we're going to find out uh, Laban, you know, he's seen the gold nose ring and he's seen the bracelets. And let me tell you, I've read ahead and I'm going to tell you that Laban's all about the money, okay? And uh, so this isn't the last, like I said, this isn't the last we're going to hear from Laban. And, and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, uh, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place uh, for the camels. Uh, then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels, and he provided straw and feed for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the feet of the men who were with him. The food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. 
So the servant's first priority again is, you know, to fulfill his mission. He has to go tell. He has to do what his master is sending him to do. And he said, that's Laban, speak on. And so he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord had blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And, and Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when he was old. And to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord, before whom I walk, will send his angel with you and prosper you, prosper your way, and you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. Verse 41, it says, You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family. For if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when a virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, uh, please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. Have we heard this before? This is actually um, uh, in... In ancient uh, Hebrew days, this was the art of telling a story. Actually, that you would, you as you're going through the story, you would keep repeating uh, sections that you'd said before, and the people would keep like, "Yeah, I've heard that," but they want to get to the next section, and so yeah, and so so they actually do this on purpose. In verse 44, and she says to me, drink and I will draw from your, for your camels also. Uh, let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. I think it's an amazing story because if you remember, he actually uh, was thinking this in his head and before he had even finished thinking, here comes a Rebecca and she's obviously the what we would say it's a God thing <clears throat> verse 45 before I'd finished speaking in my heart oh yeah he had to repeat that didn't he <laughs> there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder and she went down to the well and drew water and I said to her please let me drink <clears throat> and, she, and she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said drink and I will give your camels a drink also so I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethua, Nahor's son, whom Melchah bore to him. So I put the nose ring in her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. That's actually new revelation. I didn't 
that didn't that they didn't say that earlier before. Uh, then I asked her and said, "Whose daughter are you?" And she said, "Oh, you gonna just read this?" I'll read it again. Forty-seven. It says. And I asked her and said, whose daughters are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. And I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who led me in the way of the truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly, and uh, it's if you remember when Abimelech was talking to Abraham, and he said, I want you to deal kindly with me. It's the same word. It's like merciful, like God's mercy. It's the same thing there. So he's saying, you know, will you be merciful to me like like God and truly with my master and tell me if then, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or turn to the left. So he's basically saying, hey, let me know so I know what to do next, right? that this is going to work. And then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, uh, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Uh, take her and go, and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. So it's kind of interesting that Bethuel is actually her dad. Yeah, but he hasn't said anything throughout the whole thing. He might have been really old here or something, but normally it would be the dad that would be doing the negotiating rather than the brother. But uh, but Laban's kind of taken the whole negotiation over. In 52, it says, And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, and clothing, and he gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Uh, then they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away to, that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. just like that okay Rebecca makes up her mind so it's it's just like the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and we believe in Christ Eliezer you know the helper the type of the Holy Spirit presented the case for his master to Rebecca and she believes in Isaac all right if you think about it, she had physical evidence, though, right? The camels, you know, everything she had seen, the jewelry, the servants. By the same token, we have uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We have 
the God's Word, the Bible. And we have the witness of lives changed by uh, those who believe. So it's really not rocket science or unheard of that she would actually believe. If you really think about it, to trust Christ or to believe in God, uh, you don't have to be a great theologian or anything like that. You just have to you know, believe that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. So, 59, it says, So they sent away Rebekah, uh, their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah, and they said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. So we know that people that sit in the gates are the people that are in charge, right? So she's basically saying, May your descendants rule over the people that don't like you. 61, Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels, and they followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the valley of Beer Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. You know what he was meditating about, wasn't he? wonder when my wife's going to come. That's what he's thinking. And he lifted his eyes and he looked. And there, the camels were coming. So here again, it's just as in the wedding scene where the groom is uh, looking down the aisle waiting for his bride to come. Isaac is waiting in the field uh, for his bride. And Christ is waiting for his bride, the church. You and me. Kind of nice, huh? Yeah. Then Rebecca lifted her eyes and she saw Isaac and she dismantled, dismounted from her camel. Uh, for she said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It's my master. So she took the veil and covered herself and the servant told Isaac, all the things that had, he had done, and Isaac brought her to his. Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted uh, after his mother's death. So the things that we've. Uh, kind of talked about, just to kind of remind you, because I want to go back at 22 and kind of put all this, because it's all connected together. And, you know, in 22, the things that we talked about already, the miracle birth, you know, uh, the time determined by God, the only son, both carried wood, same geographical location. Uh, both question the Father, both are obedient. Resurrection was prophesied resurrection on the third day. So Isaac is a type of Christ. In 24, uh, a bride for Isaac, uh, Abraham the father, Isaac the son, and Eliezer the Holy Spirit. 
So Eliezer brings the bride home to Isaac. And the Holy Spirit brings uh, the bride of Christ, the church, to heaven. Remember last week it said that uh, Abraham stood up from before his dead and he spoke to the sons of Heth saying, I'm a foreigner and a visitor among you. Remember we talked about that. Uh, and that that's timeless truth for uh, all people uh, who believe in God, actually, I mean, including us, right? So our citizenship is in heaven. So just like Abraham was a, you know, a stranger in, in the land, we're actually just here temporarily. Our citizenship is in heaven, and Jesus is waiting, just like Isaac was waiting in that field, okay? And so the reason that I, that I bring all this up is because um, I know that when we live our day-to-day life and we encounter different stuff. This week was a lot of stuff for me. I don't, and, uh, and so we can kind of take our focus uh, off of uh, God, you know, kind of lose perspective if you know what I mean. And you can get kind of sidetracked and go this way or go that way and and things get uh, kind of uh, messed up. Not good. Because we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus. And uh, it's kind of like if you think about what's going on in this life, if you can imagine, if you could, if you could, take time and make time like a, a speck of dust, okay? So the amount of time that we spend on earth is like a speck of dust, like like this. And if you compare that to eternity, and then if you can think of the universe as eternity, right? You can't really describe eternity because it has no end. But if you can compare a speck of dust to the size of the universe, and then you can compare the time that we spend here on earth dealing with earthly problems to the speck of dust as opposed to the time that we're going to spend in our real home which is in heaven so we've talked about this before and it's it's kind of a nice thing to remember I think uh, certain verses I come back to let's read this verse Paul writes about it in Philippians 3 there. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. So our citizenship is in heaven, and so I mean, they, you know, Moses when he wrote this, um, or the Holy Spirit when he wrote chapter twenty-four, he kind of painted a, a picture of um, how it's going to be for us, and it's kind of amazing because, you know, um, 
if you think about it, he could have just wrote, it's going to be great in heaven, you know. Uh, but instead, he goes back 2,000 years before Christ, and he plays this whole scene out in the life of Abraham and Isaac and Eliezer and Rebekah. And uh, the parallels between the two are just uh, just too much to be a coincidence. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word and uh, thank you that uh, that our citizenship is in heaven and that we could have the eternal uh, perspective and uh, that our hope is in you and our hope is in heaven. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.